and grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like us to go to the gospel reading this morning that we just heard Mr. Whitney share with us, and I'd like to hone in on verses 24 and 25 of this text where we hear these words. Jesus speaks them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. And here ends the text. Have you ever found yourself in that situation, not spiritually with Jesus, but just in terms of life on earth? You know, uh, last fall, Lindy and I were blessed to uh, be able to uh, go to Glacier National Park. We'd never been there before. And really neat thing about Glacier is that, and I didn't realize this, but it's the only national park that I'm aware of where part of the national park is in Canada. They share the national park. And so we thought it would be fun to go uh, into Canada and go to Watertown, Waterton Park, which is just across the border a few miles, and there's a beautiful lake, and it's probably 10 miles long, and there's actually a boat ride you can take from the Canada side to go back to the U.S. side, and you meet the U.S. Rangers on that side, and it's just an incredible experience, and you can uh, see where the markers are on the lake of where you're crossing the border back into the U.S., and Lindy and I didn't even know that was there. We stumbled onto it. We had an absolutely wonderful day, and we had gone through this uh, border crossing earlier in the day, and and anyway, we're, it's about 7.30 in the evening. It's just gorgeous. We're having a, just a nice little drive back to this place and saw a mother bear and her little cubs running out in the meadow and everything was perfect until we got to that place. And the gates were closed. And unbeknownst to us, they closed at 7 o'clock in the evening. We just assumed it'd be open at least till midnight. We, we were so excited just traveling, we didn't even pay attention. There were probably signs there indicating this will close at such and such a time. But can you imagine? I mean, it's about a 30-minute, 45-minute drive from Waterton to get there, and now it's getting dark. We're in Canada. We're not familiar with this area, and we can't get back into the United States. So thank goodness the phone worked. And uh, we were able to find another uh, crossing that was or op opened all night long. And uh, we were able to get onto the American side again. But tell you, that was quite a shocker. And when I read this, I thought, yeah, the shock of, of physically going through that. But imagine this one. When the Lord tells you, the gate, the door is shut. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be in that position. 
But you know the good news that we see in this gospel reading, as harsh as some of these words are that Jesus shares with us, is that he shares them with us. The Lord desires that the world would be informed totally of everything necessary for us to know. And Jesus definitely informs us this morning and maybe shocks us back into reality sometimes that this door that passes into salvation and eternal life into heaven, this door is a very narrow door by Jesus' description. And by the way, he is the one who controls the door, no other. Jesus didn't come to gratify men, men's curiosity in this, by the way. Isn't it interesting um, that, that this uh, discussion that Jesus brings forth begins with a question. And somebody there in the crowd around Jesus said, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And so it's a curiosity question. It's kind of like Jesus, you know, how many really are going to be saved? And it's a very generalized question. In other words, the one asking, it's looking outside of himself and not really thinking of his own well-being, but hey, Jesus, how many are going to be saved? Is it going to be just a small number? But it's interesting, Jesus oftentimes doesn't answer those kind of questions directly. But here's Jesus' response. He snaps this person out of the question of curiosity and he speaks directly to that individual's conscience as I hope he does to you and me this morning. And here's what Jesus says in response. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Isn't that interesting? Or, you know, and it's pointed you. You, the one asking the question, you strive to enter through the narrow door. And that you is each one of us in this room this morning. You strive to enter through the narrow door. And so Jesus, pricking our consciences as he did with this individual that asked the question, he takes a generalized question and personalizes it to get our attention, that we're not looking outside ourselves. Oh, I wonder if that person over there is saved. But instead, first and foremost, we're checking in on ourselves. Where am I truly at in my own spiritual life? Where am I truly at in my relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? And he says, no one else, he's the one that says, the door is narrow. Pretty heart-wrenching, isn't it, when Jesus goes on to say, many will seek to enter and will not be able. Think about, Jesus doesn't make this complicated. He lays it out there. The door is narrow. In fact, do you realize that in John chapter 10 and the Gospel of John, verse 9, Jesus says these words, I am the door. So there's no question about what this door represents when, when Jesus speaks that we need to strive to enter through the narrow door. He is the door. And then Jesus goes on to say in John, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
beautiful description of life in all facets. When Jesus is in our life, we have a whole life and we experience the fullness of life. Jesus in John chapter 14 makes it very evident again when we think of this narrow door. So he is the door. And notice there's nobody else that can make that claim. I guess there's others that could make the claim, but he makes the claim that he alone is that door, exclusively Jesus alone. And then look in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way. It's not like a way, and there's many other ways to salvation. No, Jesus says, I am exclusively the way, the truth, the life. And so the emphasis here with the narrow door is there are not many other ways to salvation. And yet when you look at the culture we live in and you even look within the church, if you even, dare I say, look within yourself, in our sinful condition, don't we like to kind of create other ways? You know, is there ever a time where you're clinging to your own works? And maybe, and maybe it's very subtle. You're just thinking, wow, I'm a pretty good person, and, and that's why God loves me. But boy, look at that person over there. And that's when Jesus reminds us, doesn't he? Look at the log in our own eyes before we look at the speck in another. But in our sinful condition, we can slip into that way of thinking. And when we go there, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a little bit better than this other person. And oh yeah, then God must love me a little more than that other person. And oh, I bet my good works kind of saved me. Maybe just a little bit. But that's not the way, according to Jesus or clinging to your own membership. You know, and Jesus confronting the Jews many times, oh, we have Abraham as our father. When we have Abraham as our father, everything's good, Jesus. We're right with God because we can make that claim. Does that fly very well with Jesus when they bring it up? No, Jesus brings up who the true children are, doesn't he? But think about it, and especially in the times we live now, and especially... It's not including the young people in this room. God bless you, you're here. You're active, you're bringing your kids, you're bringing them up in the faith. But I see so many young couples maybe that come to bring a child to be baptized, haven't seen them for years. And then I never see them again for many, many years. Maybe another child comes along. But there's that sense of, I grew up in a Christian home, and if we just go through these little steps in our journey on this earth, it's going to make us secure and clear with God and right with him. Or if I just have my name in the membership role of Trinity Lutheran Church or another Christian congregation, then that's my security. That's kind of my trump card, you know, when my life ends on earth. Look, God, I'm a member you know what? He's going to look at us just like he does to those claiming Abraham as their father. If there isn't faith in our hearts. Well, the list could go on. Clinging to our own pride, whatever. There's so many things that can get between us and God to tempt us and lure us into thinking that there's really another door. Or the door could be wide open. But you know, this this is really an interesting statement. Do you realize God is narrow-minded? Do you ever think about that? God is narrow-minded. Think about Moses 
on the mountain and, and, and everything that transpired there. And you think about the ark, and if you even touched the ark, you would die. And remember, the ark fell or was slipping, and somebody touched it, and they died. That's how narrow-minded God is. When he states his truth, it's his truth, and he's not going to bend on that. When Jesus says the door is narrow, he's not going to, oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of hard to accept. You know what? We'll just open it up a little bit to some other ideas and philosophies. No. The Lord is narrow-minded, and... A lot of people don't like that. In our sinful condition, we don't always like that. But Jesus can be who he is because he is God. And he's the one who opens and closes this door. So two warnings in this text that he gives. One is the door is narrow. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus alone. It's not through Allah. It's not through Buddhism. It's not through whatever philosophy you may have and think, well, you know, it works for me, and I'm sincere in that belief system. No, the Lord is narrow-minded. The door is narrow. And the other warning is that eventually the door will be closed going to be shut and it won't be opened again. It's not like there's going to be another chance for the door opening. And so think about that if we get into a mode of thinking, you know, I just kind of want to pick and choose out of scripture what I want to believe. I've got some pet sins that I really battle with and, and the fact that that struggle is so difficult, you know, maybe that's really not God's word. You know, maybe that was just Paul's idea. That was a personal opinion. See what, we can, what Satan does with that? What our sinful flesh can do with that? And what do we do? We start being lured away from the narrow door. In other words, we don't want to be narrow-minded. We, and we get in trouble as Christians today, don't we? For being narrow-minded. If you stand firm in your faith, oh my gosh, you know, you're going to be labeled as, as a separatist. You're going to be labeled as being narrow-minded. You're going to be labeled as not being all-inclusive, which is looked upon as a really good thing today. The door, no matter what a man's opinion is, the door is going to be shut. And Jesus determines that time. But... I think also of spare tire faith. Do you ever get in that mode? You know, how many of you checked your spare tire, by the way, this morning? Is there air in it? We don't even think about it, do we? But boy, if suddenly you hear this clunk, 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 clunk going down the road, and you have a flat tire and you pull over, is the spare tire pretty important? Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, I hope there's air in that tire. And unfortunately we can get into the mode of living our faith that way. It's like, oh, life is good, money's coming in, good, solid job, family's doing great, relationships are wonderful, and uh, God don't really need you now, just kind of put you in the trunk for a while, and, you know, and then God's forgotten, life seems good, and then something happens, you lose your job, or relationships just suddenly begin to fall apart, 
It's like, oh my gosh, my good job and all these things aren't going to get me through this. Maybe I better get the Bible out. Maybe I better try to turn back to God. And so we pull God out of the trunk, if you will, for a moment. And then when everything's good again, it's like, okay, I can forget about God. And what's really tragic in that is we have a lot of kids that are growing up in that kind of atmosphere. They're not being in the word. They're not in devotional life. They're not praying together. They're not receiving God's means of grace, word and sacrament. And they're spiritually fading away. Not quite the description that Jesus gives here when he says strive to enter through the narrow door. That word striving, going to allude to it in a moment more, but, but, but it's like an Olympic term. It's, can you imagine a team, a football team, we're about into the season, and they say, ah, practice, we'll put it in the trunk. We don't, we don't really need to do all that. It it's, takes up a lot of time. We could be doing a lot of fun stuff. And then game day comes, and they get demolished. Like, oh, maybe we better pull that out of the trunk. Maybe we do actually need to strive for this a little bit. But how often do we look at our faith that way? We don't want to hear Jesus say, I do not know where you come from. Can you imagine that? Boy, that border gate closed, that was scary enough. But there were alternatives there. Here there's no alternative. It's over. Jesus says, depart from me. Wow. Think of that with kids and grandkids. Do they know Jesus? Well, you know, the good news is Jesus doesn't come to us with this word on the last day when he's closing the door. But he has come with this word nearly 2,000 years ago. And this word still before us this morning, it's the living word. It doesn't change. And we are blessed to be informed. Boy, if, we, if Lindy and I saw, or if, if just the agent at the gate said, oh, by the way, I bet you guys are going to come back through here this evening, aren't you? Uh, yeah, that was our plan. Well, make sure you're here before 7 because that's when we're going to close the gate. That would be nice to be informed. And we are by the Lord himself, and that is the good news, and, and also that the door is still open. It hasn't been shut yet. We are still living in a time of grace. It's not too late for us. It's not too late for our children. It's not too late for our grandchildren. This is the time to get into the striving mode and to make sure that they know Jesus. Not wait till next year or, or, oh, when they get out of college, then we can talk to them about these things. Or then I'll pray for them. No, it's now because we know the door is still open. And Jesus, who controls the door, paid the sacrifice. We heard about it in, in Hebrews this morning, didn't we, in, in uh, chapter 12 24 the epistle reading about the sprinkled blood he's the one that who has established this covenant it's not our works it's totally his work he shed his blood at the cross and in so doing he justifies us 
before God. It's his blood that makes us right before God. And by the way, he continues to intercede for us. He continues to speak on our behalf to our defense. Therefore, he is the only way. He is exclusively the door, and he desires everyone to come through. Do you have better news than that? The one that informs us of the narrow door says, by the way, I want everybody to come through this door. I don't want to close it on anyone. And it's through faith that we enter the door. And faith is purely a gift. God came to you and me, whether we heard uh, through the word and our hearts were changed, whether as an infant or an adult we were baptized, our heart was changed. Through those means, God has brought us to this faith that we are blessed to have. And with this faith, we are secured with salvation. All of these blessings become our own. And the door is open to us individually and personally through the faith God has established within us. And so we live in God's favor. We don't have to worry about the door being slammed closed on us when we're people of faith. And we live blessed to serve in the kingdom. And this is where the striving comes in. You know, it's an ongoing battle with our sinful flesh. In uh, your bulletins and the sermon notes, you might want to read Romans 7 because I think it's one of the greatest descriptions in Scripture of what this battle looks like within us between our sinful flesh and the new person of faith that are both part of our being until we're received into glory. And it's a constant battle, and that's where the striving really kicks in. Here's how Paul describes it. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. Does that sound like just kind of a poo-poo thing we don't really need to think about or it's not really a battle? No, that's real striving. And by the way, the more intense that battle becomes, it is so revealing of the faith that we have. Because if you don't have anybody to fight with within yourself, then you don't have faith. It's a battle this side of heaven. The word was taken from the Greek in games. And so back in that era, striving meant that you practice, practice, practice. You build up your body strength for whatever competition you're going to be in. You know, Paul talks about running the race. He uses that same kind of analogy elsewhere. And, and so it's a very intense, it's a very thought-out process. Well, spiritually, it's really seeking God's will. Spiritually, it's being nurtured. It's being equipped by God's means of grace, which means that as God is directed, we're in worship together like we are here this morning, that we're in fellowship together as Christians. We're never alone and isolated, but we're here to encourage and, and support one another, just like on a team. You need that fellowship and that encouragement and that cheering on. It means that we are serious about God's Word. And I wish everybody here would be in Bible study. We have so many good Bible studies that are going on. But at home, being serious in God's Word, opening the Scriptures daily and allowing God to speak to your heart, it means to be praying earnestly, to be centered and, and, and recognize that who the enemy is. 
to know that Satan and our sinful flesh and the world wants to take us down, but to know that our strength is in Jesus who died for us. It's to bear persecution. It's to press through difficulties of every kind. It is to trust that God loves you no matter what. Does that sound like a battle? But you know what? The, it's not being fought to win. The Lord's already won it. But it's to stay in the fight and to do the work that God blesses us to do. We don't want to come one day and find that the door's been closed. I know how that feels, trying to get back into the U.S. But you know, there were other options. Get the phone out. Oh, half hour, 45 minutes out of the way, but hey, it's open. We can get through. We can get back. We'll get home tonight. But when we face Jesus' door, if we ever did and it's closed, there's no other options. There's not another 45 minutes. But the good news I leave you is another account of the door. And you see it in Revelation, and there it is. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus says, uh, I think it's the church of Philadelphia in Revelation, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. He's speaking to people of faith. Jesus speaking to you, a child of faith. Jesus speaking to me, a child of faith. And he says directly to you and me, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Isn't that cool? Our hearts, by God's grace, are where they need to be in faith. But dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may we seriously, striving to do so, think about those who do not have that promise. And if nothing changes, the door will be shut on them. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us so much, that he became one of us and shed his blood at the cross for us and died and rose again. Dear Jesus, we thank you and praise you and our hearts go out to those who remain separated from you. Use us as your instruments. In your name, amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds always in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.